Allison, and our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sensitive, the sincere, the serene and sensual, Mr. Eric Robertson. Hello. We're in Pleasant Picture Studios in Provo, Utah. It's a beautiful day. It's a great day. I wouldn't know because there's no windows in Pleasant Picture Studio. Just how it needs to be. But I remember <laughs> from that one minute we left to go get some soda that it was a good day. It's a beautiful day. And guess what? We are so glad that you guys are here for episode 75 because you are going to be feeling alive. <laughs> <laughs> Staying alive. What if you're wrong and why that's a good thing? And I feel like people are going to have like visceral reactions to that. What if you're wrong? Like you're wrong. Like when I say you are incorrect, what does that do to you physically? Right? Um, Yeah. Nothing to you. I'm wrong all the time. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people who when they hear it like that, like they feel accused, they feel attacked. And that's what we're going to get into. We're going to break your brain open and examine why it's a good thing. So I want you to think of something that you would like fixed. I I would like you to think of something that you would like solutions to. I would like you to think of something that is making you so mad or bugging you. And not to put you in a bad mood, but because we want to help all of us examine how maybe, just possibly, entertaining the idea that we could be incorrect about something is actually a really good thing that's going to help you find solutions and options and ideas in your life. I'm excited. Cool. Let's do it. Um, first, before we get into it, I have been sharing online more about the Dork Dungeon. And I just felt like, I mean, I guess this could kind of fall under the segment of sharing is caring and that I'm sharing about you. What do you want to know? Just tell everyone a little bit about the Dork Dungeon. Well, I grew up playing a ton of sports. Like, I was obsessed with baseball, pretty convinced I was going to become a pro player. Totally. Obsessed. Then when I was 14, I had a, I broke my leg pretty bad while playing baseball and it was devastating and so I was laying in bed and I was you know on crutches and I had to get surgeries because of growth plates and all that crazy stuff so I couldn't play sports that summer Mm. so some kids in my neighborhood were playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah they were and those are my new friends for the summer and I was like well this is this is this is my option I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in so from that point I didn't play it you know it comes and goes but I have always had a soft spot for that for like fantasy games role playing yeah so fun so sometimes (laughs) when i get sometimes when i want a new hobby you know i dive into a new hobby so my friend his name's james we met uh we met years ago and uh he shares the same same interests so i uh we we recently switched our basement rooms we made one a workout room and one's a hobby room now and i said you know i'm gonna start building some miniatures so allison makes fun of me and calls it the dork dungeon but i build like uh I don't know, a little castle. He likes and that houses. I call it the Dork Dungeon. I would not call it the Dork ju- Dungeon if it was like truly hurtful. He gets a big kick out of me calling it the Dork Dungeon. I, I love being made fun of. Yeah, they, they have a lot of fun. The cool thing is, Eric has gotten really into making all these little miniatures, and that's what I've been sharing like on my Instagram stories. And so many people have responded and said, like, this makes me feel better about my husband. This makes me feel better about my husband playing video games. <laughs> and basically, 
I think the takeaway is we're all closeted dorks. <laughs> and Be proud of it. Follow your bliss. Create your own dork dungeon. But I do think it's really important to um, explore the idea of, you know, hobbies. You know, it's just fun to create. Yeah. No matter what it is, it is very fulfilling. I love it. I make music all day, so that's not my hobby. Anymore. Se, anymore. So right now my my getaway is this. And also... King of the Hill is on Hulu, so. So we've been watching a lot of King of the Hill. So that is sharing is caring. We're sharing. There's huge dork happenings over at our house. (laughs) So if there's big dork happenings at your house, that's awesome too. So let's hop right into this episode. What if you're wrong and why that is a good thing? Now, before when I said, hey, you're wrong. And I mean, I know that that will turn a lot of people off. I can I can think of a lot of people yeah. who even just hearing that they're like, "Ooh, I don't like this girl. Ooh, I don't I don't like this one. I'm going to skip this episode." So if you've hung on this far, thank you because I want us all to break our brains a little bit. I want to explore this idea of why we don't like to be wrong. Why don't we like to be wrong? Why don't you like to be wrong? Well, it feels right. I mean, it feels good to be right. I I guess I don't like to be wrong. I don't know. I don't really view it that way anymore. James Allen, one of my favorite authors, talked about like opinions and <laughs> and uh, how they they basically put rules on the universe and put you in a construct that's like not it basically blocks you from all the goodness and all the stuff. And and I, I think about this like when you're a kid, you were you were wrong about so many things. And at what point? And if you think you're right about everything, like what age did you suddenly become right about stuff? Well, and it, I've been reading a lot about adult development, and there's these different stages. Adult development is something that they've really just focused on in the last fifty or sixty years, and there's all this new science and terminology, and there's different phases of adult development. And one of the phases is the expert phase, uh-huh. and in the expert phase, you start holding on to the idea that your ideas are correct. You're opening yourself up to other ideas that might not be correct. And I think this is where a lot of us sit is, oh no, I know that there's other ideas that aren't mine, but they're lesser ideas. (laughs) And so, so I think there's a lot of people sitting there who like, no, 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 no. I know I'm not right all the time. It's just my logic is better than other people's logic. And in Buddhism, and I've talked about this before, and I freaking love it. The The concept of love is understanding. And as I've been thinking about this so much, when I refuse to have understanding or when I'm not looking for understanding, which is the idea that my logic isn't better than other people's logic, the understanding that their life experiences and their knowledge and their brain might be wired differently, that their logic is very sound to them. And holding space, I think, is like the good term for it of like, yeah, maybe I totally am wrong. I think the reason why that can be so hard for us is we're all in different phases of our development. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you are, oh, you're not as advanced. You're not as developed. Because that's one interesting thing I've been learning about adult development is sometimes we skip phases. And it's not like you move from one phase to the next. Um, this is Thomas McConkie. I'm reading a book by him. And he he describes it as nesting dolls. Okay. So like, instead of thinking you grow and move on from one stage, it's more like they're nested within each other. Like, so think of Russian nesting dolls. Yeah. And if you try to skip or move past one of these stages of adult development, like you might get stuck or certain things might be triggered, right? Yeah. So the idea isn't that it's like linear, like you're far behind, but it truly might be like 
you ha- you you've skipped or not quite developed in this stage where this idea of you being wrong means really horrible things for you. Okay. And so I think that some people believe that when they're wrong, it means that they themselves are wrong. Yeah, that one. That's the ego. That's right? the ego. Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle, the power of now. He talks about the ego. The ego exists to support itself. It exists to feed itself. I mean, and if you don't feed it, and the ego doesn't want to be wrong. The ego takes things very personally, and that isn't you. That is your ego. You are not your ego. Yes. Your ego is is something that you can like feed. Yeah. Or deny. And this this happens like at work. I'll be working with somebody, and they'll bring me something back. And it won't be correct. Yeah. And what I mean by correct is what I want. Yeah. Because in the terms of the Allison show, correct is essentially what I want to put in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I decide I want to put out there. I can see how lots of different people, contract workers, my full-time employees, they can bring something back to me that they care about. And I'll be like, hey, this is great. I want to tweak this. And they can start to shut down. Mm-hmm. And, and I can do that too, because we work really hard on something. We put ourselves into it. We've done what we believe is best. And somebody comes at you and says, this is incorrect. And we mistakenly let that be become a reflection of ourselves. Yeah, that you are incorrect. That you are incorrect. So one of the reasons why it can be so hard to be wrong is because it can make us feel wrong. Another yeah. reason that it can be so hard to be wrong is that it we are programmed to have a sense of identity so that we can survive. Mm-hmm. We are programmed to be like, I am like this, I do this, because staying within that box, like as a hunter-gatherer or whatever, keeps us safe. It helps us survive from being attacked and eaten. But that doesn't serve us anymore in our society. So when we overly identify with these external factors, let's say I am a hairstylist or I am a mom or I am a vegan or I am an introvert or I am an Enneagram 7, we have this sense of identity. Anything that questions that, we fight like hell against it. It's one of our greatest tendencies of human nature is to fight against anything that is making us question our identity of ourselves. Because again, that instinct is in place to keep us safe. Right. So it can maybe make you feel unsafe if you're wrong. Also, I think it's important here to look at how you were raised. Because this is another thing is, were you raised that every time you were incorrect, maybe you were physically beaten for it. Maybe you were verbally beaten for it. Maybe you were shamed for it. Maybe you were made to feel stupid. I know people who growing up were shamed for being incorrect and I can see them fight so hard to not be incorrect. And I can be looking at them like, why are you, why do you care so much? Mm -hmm. And then I have to remember, I don't have their experience. And that goes back to the idea of understanding. And so even ask yourself like, how were you treated growing up if you were wrong? Because it's funny, you were so upset the other day when you ruined my bowl. Remember? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And he kept apologizing. And it's not even my bowl. It's just a bowl we have in the kitchen. And you kept apologizing. Oh, I'm so sorry I ruined the bowl. I'm so sorry. And I'm looking at him like, when have I ever cared? Like, you would think that I, like, backhand Eric if if he heard something in the kitchen because of how he kept apologizing for this bowl. And finally, he's like, my mom used to get really mad at me when I would ruin kitchen stuff. Well, no, I thought my mom would just, like, she has this crazy remembrance of everything like yeah she catalogs she, she, she catalogs her kitchen items yeah like you don't take stuff out of the kitchen like i remember in high school my friend clint 
made like a milkshake and we were driving down the road. Like he was in his truck eating a, eating milkshake out of a cup. My mom drove by <laughs> and like honked the horn and made us stop. She's like, that does not leave my kitchen. <laughs> was it the cup or the spoon or what? It was like a cup and a spoon. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> so I think I just had this and again, guilt. I'm like, I, we you, are just, not you, saying... you just don't, you just don't touch the kitchen stuff. You yeah. don't ruin it. So I, I've had Paris of plaster. And it sat, it like got really hard from the dark dungeon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. This was, I shouldn't have done that. And so we're not saying Eric's mom was, you know, crazy aggressive or anything, but that the kitchen stuff was important to her. So I think a lot of us not wanting to be wrong, it threatens our identity. We might be in a different phase of psychological development where seeing ourselves as wrong can mean different things about us. But also, there's a lot of nurture there too. Yeah. And so let's talk about why it is okay to be wrong, why it's a good thing, and how it's going to help you. So I want you to ask yourself, maybe what are some things that I am willing to acknowledge I could be incorrect about? Maybe some ideas you have, people, intentions. The number one thing that I think that this is going to be helpful for is what if you're wrong about yourself? What if you're wrong about your abilities? And not you're wrong about your abilities like, yeah, I knew I couldn't do it, but wrong about your abilities as in you can do way more than you think you can. You're capable of way more. So I did a keynote and I and I said, people ask me so often recently, like what Enneagram I am. And like all personality quiz- quizzes and different things like that, I think that they're really powerful tools to help us understand ourselves. But I so often from where I sit, see people using them as excuses and limitations. I can't do that because I'm a four. Oh, I certainly should never do something like that because I'm a two. I do not mean to mock it. I've been there. But again, that's you wanting to define yourself and put yourself in this box and keep yourself in a box. Now, I 100% get how they can be tools that you can use as connection and an understanding. So I don't need you coming at me telling me all the pros. I get the pros. I genuinely do. I just want you to ask yourself, are you using it as an excuse? Are you using it to hide behind? Because I think that that very often happens. Oh, for sure. And what comes to my mind is, what's that organ runner? There's a movie about that guy. He had like one leg shorter than the other, Steve Prefontaine or something. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, Prefontaine, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be a runner. Like, he had one leg short, and he he was was put in a box, and he could have listened to that. And we can listen to these boxes that were put into that may have some truth to it. But if he would have listened, you know what I'm saying? Like, he set records, and he's like a huge inspiration to many people. I love that. And so we really want to explore this from my, from the idea of what if you're wrong about yourself and all the amazing things you actually can do. So what is maybe being able to view yourself or see how an idea or an intention or something that you have is incorrect? What's it going to do for you? And the first thing I think it's going to do for you, it's going to free up some energy. Let me tell you why. Because when you are fighting to be correct all the time, that takes fear, that takes anxiety, and it is exhausting. When you are so worried that you're going to be wrong, that's just so much energy wrapped up in fear. And that reminded me of like, remember, like keeping up a lie. Yeah. I remember like as a kid, you're trying to keep up a lie and it just keeps piling on. It's like and the you're plot like, of so many movies yeah. where it's so stressful. You're like, <laughs> why do they just keep lying? Why do they just keep lying? Right? Yeah. And this examining this idea, maybe I'm incorrect about this person. Maybe I did have fault in that scenario. Maybe this belief isn't serving me anymore. Like, what if I'm incorrect about this? It's just going to like, you're not holding on so tight. And anytime you're holding on so tight, it's exhausting. And so the idea is we want to open ourselves up. 
if you're not ever willing to be wrong, you're not willing to grow. I've been saying this a lot lately and I really like it. And it is, it has to break so that you can fix it. Yeah. And we don't want things to break and we don't want things to be incorrect. And we want things to just stay cobbled together with scotch tape and glue and just, you know, function as best they can. But when the whole thing finally crumbles to the ground, you're forced to reassemble it. You're forced to look for new ideas, new systems, new solutions. And that's how you grow. And so if you're never willing to be incorrect, if you're holding on so dear to every belief you've ever had that's no longer serving you, you're not going to be able to grow. On this idea of if you're not willing to be wrong, you're not willing to grow and things need to break in order for you to fix it, I love how it comes full circle to the dork dungeon, where if your leg hadn't broken, you wouldn't have grown Of course, we don't want your leg to break, but you wouldn't have grown that whole other set of interest and skills that is now like 20 plus years later, totally serving you. Oh, and at the time that was like the most devastating thing. I was like 14 in the summer. It was like spring. So I was sitting in bed in the summer. Yeah. It was like my world. And I know that like, it's not a big deal. But But it it was a big deal to a 14 year old boy. But now, And I remember looking at people walking and like, oh my gosh, they don't even know how good that they have it. And so I have so much empathy for broken bones. You really do. And hurt. I, I totally remember those feelings. And I look back and I'm like, that's not even a big deal that that happened. But I am more empathetic now. And it's been a huge blessing for me to relate and to comfort my own children and people around me from that from that break. And now I have a fun hobby. And I just, I really, really love the idea of you know, whether there are things we bring upon ourselves or things that life thrust upon us. Whether you break your leg or you create your own suffering due to some addictive behavior or, or whatever, right? Whatever happens in life, we get to choose to learn from it vertically and grow up or we choose to fight and not grow and be stuck in pain. you're going to have pain either way. Right. You get to choose whether to make it meaningful and have it help you understand your purpose and yourself more fully or to just be mad about it. Can I take this on a little journey? Take me on a journey. So we always watch uh, Emperor's New Groove. Oh, I love that movie so much. And Kronk is obviously the best character in in the movie. Yeah, he is. And if you think about it, him and Yzma go on the exact same path. They have the same things happening to them. Yeah, but he he's he's willing to be wrong. He's willing so to just Yzma's go. So Isma's the, f- the really evil character who's trying to kill the emperor, and Kronk is her hunky sidekick. And he's just like he's always happy. I mean, he goes through awful stuff. He's like serving her the whole time, but he's yeah. so happy. And I know it's a cartoon, but that is so relevant in life. It is so relevant. Like if I could sum this whole thing up, yeah, we live in this vast, beautiful universe that's incomprehensible. There's so much beauty and love and. Uh, dramatic emotions on both sides, pain, suffering. And every time we choose or make a have an opinion on something, we just put up a wall and we put up a box and we keep doing that and we decide, oh, this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. This is where I stay. And we just keep closing ourselves in. Whereas if you're willing to let go of the ego and just see the beauty and accept things and being wrong is actually liberating. And I'm so glad that, I'm, I mean, I still struggle with it sometimes, but I'm so glad that I had that realization years ago that opinions really don't don't help you. They really don't. It just it, it puts reason, a wall up. The reason we hold on to our opinions is we think they create our identity. They don't at they all. They don't. They're, you, your you, opinions are not who you are. Your, your passions, your loves, your uh, your, your lessons that you've learned, that, that's your identity. 
I mean, you're like this eternal being. It's not, it's not, your, your identity is not that you're an expert at something. Your identity also isn't that, oh, well, whenever anything like this happens, this is how I behave. Yeah. Because if that's your identity, like Eric said, you're just putting yourself in that box. You never get to grow out of it. And so even me walking around saying like, oh, I'm a really anxious person or every time I perform, I get anxious. That's not my anxiety. It's not my identity. Yeah. How I choose to respond to it and try to grow through it. That's, I believe that's my identity. Yeah. And so really the fourth thing, opening your mind and allowing yourself to be wrong is going to do for you. It's going to help you detach your actions from your value. It's going to help you detach your actions from your value, which is hard to do. I am working on it every day, detaching, detaching what I achieve and what I accomplish from what I think my value is. And man, that was something that was really hard after I was hit and I was in bed and I couldn't serve people because it's not like, oh, I'm just some altruistic being who has to serve people all the time. That's how I get a lot of my value is by helping other people. And when I didn't feel like I could physically help anyone or emotionally help anyone, I didn't feel like I deserved to show up anywhere. And I remember one time, this was before I was hit, I was feeling so, so broken and so drained. And I was invited to this event and I didn't want to go because I didn't have anything to give. And I remember showing up and just looking at the host and just saying like, I'm so sorry, like I've got nothing to give. And she was like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't want you to give anything. I just, I just want you here. Just receive. And that is something that I've been trying to focus on. When I got up to do our Build an Awesome Brand workshop in Palm Springs, I was like, me trying to give all this love and light and knowledge means nothing if I'm not also willing to receive it. And I think that that is like the cherry on top where if we're not willing to be incorrect, we're not re- willing to receive answers. Yeah. We're not willing to receive guidance. We're not We're just not willing to receive, period. So I want you to ask yourself, how could asking and allowing yourself to be incorrect about something serve you? How could it serve you? Instead of shifting blame, instead of giving excuses, instead of saying it's not fair, I didn't know, how could it serve you? And I really, really hope that it can serve you. And I want to leave you with this thought. Are you trying to make the universe comply to your understanding of it? Or are you trying to understand this vast, vast universe. We are specks of dust, (laughs) dust in the wind. And I'm like, here I am trying to take my will and my understanding and and push it on everyone. When how much more is it going to serve me by allowing myself to break my brain open a little bit? So we hope this has served you. This has been a fun episode 75. What if you're wrong and why that's a good thing? I don't know. I hope you get a new idea. I hope you're willing to maybe feel a little bit better if you were feeling wrong or incorrect, like you made a mistake. You can see all the benefits there. Eric, you're going to give us a review right now. Cat52982 says, This has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. Allison is so smart, insightful, funny, and quirky. You can tell she has built her brand on just being herself, which is awesome. Eric's commentary is always helpful and a great compliment to Allison's. Love their honesty, advice, and chemistry. Also, Eric's a super talented musician, and the outro tracks are always serious jams. Anytime I'm in a bad mood, I can depend on AWA, awesome with Allison, to fix it. Love this podcast. Kat, thank you so much. I absolutely love that review. 
I'm so glad. Thank you for the compliments. And we appreciate your guys' reviews so much. They really, really help grow the podcast. And it's the number one way to thank us for what we're doing. I mean, if you want to thank us. We always say sharing is caring. And, you know, we really just want to spread. We want to spread like a virus. Um, If you guys are interested in the ideas and topics that we've been discussing here and you want to take them to the next level, you should definitely check out my monthly membership, Awesome On Demand. This month, we're focusing on resilience, how to grow it, and how to have more of it in your life so you can bounce back from, you know, all the things life has to offer. We love you guys. We're so grateful you're here. And I want to remind you that only you can be you and you're already as awesome as you need to be. Eric, what are you going to take us out on? Another song from the new indie dance pop collection at Pleasant Pictures Music Club. This one's called Tangerine. Tangerine.